What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the villain Marty Scurll and you are listening to Behind, no sorry, what was it? Me and my friend Mark, we're gonna stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Gorilla. Um, again, it's been a couple of weeks due to the holidays, but uh, but we're back. First episode of, of 2021, Harris. Yep. All right. Man of many words. <laughs> so, I don't know what else to say. We just had a whole conversation about it before we went on the air. Now I'm like, we I did. Get... Yeah. That's true. Yeah, That's there true. it is. That um, is, that any, is it. Anything new for you, Harris, for 2021? I, not really wrestling related. I got a PlayStation <laughs> for Black Friday. That's pretty sick. I'm excited about that. Nice. Uh, but this isn't, you know, I could talk about cyberpunk and how it functions on my new PlayStation. That's nice. But you other mean than how that, it doesn't function. No. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, we'll talk about it. I got <laughs> it, it. It doesn't work at. So they only released it for the PC and like the PlayStation 4 and whatever that equivalent of the Xbox is. Right. But they packed so much stuff into it because they kept trying to add new things and like make this super advanced game that it just doesn't function on the PlayStation 4 anymore. But if you have a PlayStation 5, if you got one of the like two dozen or so that they made, that's operating at such a high level that it takes a PlayStation 5 to run the PlayStation 4 version of the game. They haven't even made a PlayStation 5 version of the game yet. That doesn't exist. Oh, wow. But it takes an entire generation of console to run the previous console's version of the game, if that makes sense. So I was was fully expecting it to not work, like just to be broken, ridiculous glitches, like game-breaking problems. And it only – it's crashed once, and it was right after a save point, so I just restarted the game, and it was fine. It doesn't look amazing. It looks like a older PlayStation 4 game, but even an older PlayStation 4 game looks fine. Like it's right. not I don't care about that kind of stuff. The story's fun and the world is interesting. So it's fine, but like if I had a if I was still using my PlayStation 4, I, I wouldn't have gotten the game. It just doesn't work. Interesting. So yeah, so it's fine. I, I understand why people are cranky. I only got this because my buddy is a PC guy. And he bought the game for the PC, but he also pre-ordered the PlayStation version for all the little collectibles and stuff that they would give you when you pre-ordered. So he was like, hey, I pre-ordered this game for like the, you know, the poster and the map and the toys, but I'm not going to play the game. So do you want it? (laughs) And I said, yeah. So I gave him 20 bucks for it and it's fine. Like it works. Yeah, that's been good. Other than that, no, not you know, not a lot going on. The Rumble's coming up. If we're gonna oh, talk about man, wrestling, I forgot about wrestling. that. No, yeah, right? we're, well, yeah, we're gonna talk about that. It's gonna be. I mean, the Thunderdome was nice, but nothing they've done in WWE has really felt real since they lost people. Well, well, like, hold up, Harris, because we'll get into all that. We'll okay. get into that a okay. little bit. Well, little that's bit all I got. On. Then what about you? You've been snowboarding. Anything else crazy did, going on this I year? I did. I started snowboarding at the beginning of December. I figured I'm out in Colorado. Might as well figure this out. And so yeah. that's that was fun. It's very painful. Um you fall all the times 
And um, but but I've gotten it down pretty well now uh, after my fourth day. So we're getting there. So I'm looking to hopefully continue continue that into the future. Uh, yeah. Uh, the only uh, yeah, there's not really much. It's like I said, it doesn't really feel like 2021, which it never does. Any New Year's, it never feels quite right. like a new year yet. Um, you know, you go the whole month and a half of writing 2020 on all of your whatever you're writing on whenever you have to write down dates. So that's going to happen. Uh, I randomly got my nose pierced yesterday. So, okay. So that's what you were. So that's new. To. Okay. Which bit like the side or like the septum? Yeah, or what? no, no, heck no, not the septum <laughs> thing. That's a whole different issue. <laughs> no, just the side. Um, no, for absolutely no reason. I have edgy. I like no it. reason whatsoever. There's a place in town, drove past it yesterday and was like, you know, why why not? New year, new mark. Twenty twenty one, let's go. I guess. I guess. Well, so I saw you I saw you post something about that because you were hinting at it on Instagram, I believe. Yeah. And I wasn't gonna bring it up in case you didn't want to say what it was on the air, but I was like, I thought tattoo. That was my first thought. Yeah. So we're going yeah, which is fair. But that'll be next year. No, that'll be later this year when that stimulus check comes in. Um, <laughs> yeah we'll 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 add we'll add to the tattoos a little bit later want, on but uh want darby allen's face on one side of your back <laughs> and sting's face on the other side of your back like left and right facing off against great idea it's <laughs> an awesome idea oh man who knows that might be a whole other episode but uh <laughs> anyway but yeah, so that so that happened. Never thought in a billion years I would ever do anything like that. But here we are. Here we are. So I'm dealing with that. That was it was also it was a horrible process, man. It was terrible. It was so much worse than I ever thought it was going to be. I was like, how bad can it be? Like my tattoo was fine. That was no problem. I've never had a problem with needles or anything like that. I was like, this, how bad could it be? Oh no. It was it was rough. It was Interesting. rough. Interesting. Yeah, because they did it, and um, she was like, oh, man, apparently it bled a lot more than normal, and then <laughs> I passed out twice after, like, Yikes. in the process. Yeah, it was, that's only the second time I've ever passed out, ever, and um, yeah, it was a rough, it was a rough, like, half hour there. I don't know what was going on. I guess it was just a, my body's reaction to getting pierced mixed with, like, more than usual blood loss. I don't know, but it was, I would, it was rough. I would think part of that is cause it's your, I, I don't know. I feel like nose is probably harder than ear. Yeah. Apparently so yeah, there's more nose at all times. Yeah. There's more, apparently it's more sensitive area. So I'm sure that had something mm -hmm. to do with it. Plus just, I mean like I, I bet most people that are doing it <clears throat> have gotten like ears pierced or something else previously. Right. And so, yeah, I think it was just my body just reacting massively to it so that's been that's been fun didn't really feel great all the rest of yesterday after that mm -hmm. so anyway here we that's are funny. man now this is kind of personal but are your parents the kind of people who would be like freaked out by that or do they not care because they would my parents hated the idea of my sister even getting her nose pierced i never mm -hmm. asked them if, like how they would feel about me getting one now and obviously it doesn't matter because we're both grown adults but. right right yeah that's part of it especially now that i'm living uh, you know, 1500 miles away <laughs> and, and have no plans on going home anytime right. soon after the holidays. Um, no, but 
my, uh, my, my parents are becoming desensitized, I think, because of okay. me and my brother and sister. My sister has a bunch of ear piercings at this point. Gotcha. And now all three of us have tattoos. So. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's been a process. I, I think they're. Yeah. I, I'm never going to hear the end of it. That's for sure. But. Right. They're definitely getting. I think they're getting desensitized to it. Like okay. I felt a lot more nervous when I got my t- tattoo last year. Because that yeah, was kind of like the second thing that had happened. But now like my brother got a big one on his arm later this year. Like this past year. So it's like. I think they're just going to roll their eyes and then I'm just going to get crap for it for forever. But I figured, eh, this is easy. It's not expensive. Yeah. It literally can go away anytime. Like they right. close up within like a day. So it's like, it's like low risk, but yeah, uh, that's that, that. Yeah. That, that answers my question. If they've already eased into it, it's definitely easier than a tattoo. Yeah. That's funny. But anyway, so that's happened and, uh, keep updated. On our Twitter account, at Behind underscore Gorilla. Also on Instagram, at Behind underscore Gorilla. We follow back wrestling fans and wrestling podcasts. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, at Marky Mark Brand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. So go ahead and do that. Yeah, uh, this is going to be a different episode. There is no topic for this episode. <laughs> which I think Harris already suspected because the very f- the response when I texted him this morning was like, Hey, you want to record? He's just like, well, yeah, if you have something. So I feel like I figured you already suspected this, but but don't worry, because I have some stuff for us to talk about. I figured this okay. could be like a 2020 wrestling year in review type of uh, type of podcast. Plus, there's there's some current stuff that I really want to talk about also. So I figured we'd have enough to at least stretch, you know, a modestly sized episode. Plus, I just wanted to get something out because we've we've missed so many mm-hmm. weeks over the past yeah. couple of months that that I was like, eh, it'd be nice to, you know, try and stay because, you know, the biggest thing with podcasts is getting, you know, the consistency about it. So mm-hmm. figured we might as well do that. Plus, I had nothing to do today and I was going to be really bored. <laughs> so anyway, Taking time out. you took you took me away from cyberpunk for this. Mark. Yes. How yes, I did. Yes, I did. So. All right. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about last week. Harris, have you watched AEW Dynamite from this past Wednesday? I did. I went back and I watched the tribute show. Yeah. I heard raving reviews about it. Every member of the WWE roster seemed to watch it, which I thought was very interesting and pretty cool that. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have been immediately fired. But this week, everyone was like, yeah, look, there's more important stuff going on. Yeah. So, so that was uh, pretty cool. So, of course, obviously, we lost Brody Lee the day after Christmas, which was to me, that was a surprise. I didn't. I mean, I knew he was out for like medical reasons but i didn't nothing was let on that it was this serious but apparently it always was because apparently everyone you know involved has known that this was probably inevitable over the past like month but as far as publicly it's pretty much been kept under wraps so i was shocked when i saw that 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 had happened and uh and then of course you know it's just it's funny how in wrestling it's like one or the other. You, you either get, you know, the people that die tragically, you know, from either mostly the drugs or some other stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or you have like the and then you have like the ones like this who are just universally loved. 
who then, yeah. you know, pass away. I mean, obviously the, the comparisons were always thrown in there with Owen Hart and Eddie Guerrero, as far as people that were just, you know, the ultimate behind the scenes guy. And, uh, so I, you know, that, that's been, that's been nice to see kind of the outpouring of that. It definitely has brought wrestling more together than we've seen in a long time. Cause like mm-hmm. you said, all the WWE people have been all about it. WWE themselves have been all over it. Um, it, it just, it really seems to be the first time probably since AEW came around when at least those two companies have been able to kind of be on the same page with something. Yeah. And it's funny to be reminded, I guess, cause we tend to think of it in terms of company to company. Oh, Raw sucks. Oh, some stuff on SmackDown's good. Oh, AEW is really good. Yeah. But all of these guys are friends with one another and have known each other for a long time and have right. worked together in different shows going back years. And it's funny to see that and be reminded of like everyone had a Brody Lee story, everybody, yeah. including all the WWE guys. And in any other circumstance, them talking that openly about the AEW product or watching the show, you know, and not even trying to hide it you would think that would have been a problem, but it was cool to see everybody just kind of stop and appreciate this man's life. Cause yeah, it came so out of nowhere. And for so like, I don't want to say mundane of a reason, but it just feels so cheap for that reason. Cause when a lot of wrestlers die young, you're like, Oh, well yeah, there were drugs or steroids or something worse going on, you know, but it just seemed from everything I've read to be a freak thing. Yeah, like a freak lung condition that wasn't not even COVID, not even the nope. thing everyone's worried about and would have immediately thought of just out of the blue. The thing it reminded me most of is Bruiser Brody, especially because he's, you know, Brody Lee, like that connection's always been there. And he looks right, you know, like he's he's got a very similar thing going on. And in both cases, it was these incredible brawlers who just brought so much and had such a great future ahead of them and just. Not that anybody deserves to die young, but it happened so suddenly. Yeah. Feels really, really cheap and just adds to the tragedy of the whole thing. But yes, it was. Well, cool and to see the everybody. fact that he was peaking. Like yeah. he was finally a main event guy for the yeah. first time in what, two decades of him yeah. of him wrestling? I mean, he was in WWE for over ten years and was never able to break out and uh had finally broken out and was a top, top guy here in yeah. TNA or and uh on TNT. <laughs> And, um, and, you know, r- right at the height of everything for it just, yeah, for it just to leave. Like, y- yeah, you're right. It's just everything about it just is just, it's so brutal. Yeah. But, um, but it has been nice seeing all the outpouring of everything. Um, even like, man, even AEW was, was like liking the, uh, WWE posts about mm-hmm. about Luke Harper like stuff like that which AEW's kind of always been like that um right. m- way more than WWE obviously um but uh but th- that's been nice but so yeah so they changed plans they were i think this past week was supposed to be the first one of their like two two part big kind of mm-hmm. end of the year show and then they scrapped that obviously and made it a whole Brody Lee tribute show and Harris this is the best tribute show I've ever seen in the history of wrestling. Um, WWE does it whenever there's a tragic thing. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and some of them are really good. Obviously, the Eddie Guerrero one was great and, and stuff. But this one was just, it was outstanding. This, this was an outstanding episode of Dynamite. Not just a great tribute show. 
And then that on yeah. top of it was just, it was awesome. I, I want to start off with the best thing of the entire show, which I don't care what anyone says. It was the, uh, it was the six man tag match with hangman Reynolds, John silver versus uh, inner circle MJF Santana Ortiz. That's one of the greatest, that might be the best six man match I've ever seen. That was one of the best matches I've seen of 2020. It, it was amazing. Harris, it was so well done as a wrestling match, it was so well paced. Everything made sense. It told an amazing story. It got everybody over that was in the match. You had the awesome segment with Brody Lee Jr. and MJF, which was just perfect. And then the ending was outstanding. Harris, I cried. I was actively crying at the end of that match. I cannot tell you when I've ever cried at a wrestling match before. Ever. And I was actively crying at the end of this match. It was so... It, it was it was awesome. It was awesome. Like just hats off to everyone involved with this match because it was I thought it was perfect. Yeah, I mean the whole show was great, but you're right. I mean just think about like the talent you listed there. That's a great match on a regular episode of mm-hmm. Dynamite. Like full stop. And, uh, when you when you take into account the yeah emotional significance of what was happening, I agree. I mean I, the whole show was phenomenal, but this match in particular was really really special. I mean, you know, and they they really got John Silver over huge, which was mm-hmm. great to see, who was really like the, you know, kind of Brody Lee's, like, kind of next in line type guy, as far as the Dark Order goes, from everything that I've heard, like, he was kind of the one, more than others, who Brody had kind of taken under his wing um, recently, so that was great, I mean, he killed it, Hangman kind of held back, kind of hung back, and let Reynolds and and Silver kind of take most of the match, which was, I thought, incredibly, uh, like top guy, mature level from uh from Hangman, but still killed it. You know when he when he had his moments, and then good gosh, man, MJF is a national treasure. I mean, (laughs) he he just is, man. He's the only one who can get away with this too, and. It's just great. And again, he can get away with it because he always gets comeuppance for it. That's why it <laughs> works. That's why you can get away with him just straight up disrespecting everybody in the worst possible ways because he's going to get it in the end. So it works. And man, yeah. was it awesome. It was I it was think- so entertaining. Jericho on commentary on top of it was just, oh, it was so great, especially with it being the inner circle guys. Oh, it was right. awesome. It was hilarious. I I think the reason, and we'll probably touch on this more as we talk about the rest of the show, I think the reason this is – I haven't seen all of the tribute episodes anyone's ever done in wrestling. Sure. But I think the reason this is such a great tribute episode is because they were able to really marry the real-life tragedy and the emotions of the moment with the kayfabe faction yeah, 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 yeah. that Brody Lee was leading, and they were able to have all these different moments with Dark Order people. And it were, it's stupid. to You don't need to tie this into any storyline. No. You just don't. But it works in storyline too because there's all these moments where you see how emotional different members of the Dark Order were. In right. getting that win, and you know that emotion oh, is real, yeah. and you it was also so have, good. and you have this real and kayfabe sense of I've learned so much from working with this guy, and this means a lot to me here and now. And you can't, I guess, with like with Eddie Guerrero, you could do that a little bit, but not to this extent, and not throughout the entire show. It's so hard 
to blend like real life tributes with some sort of kayfabe match that works but they were able to do that here and it was so satisfying for that reason yeah no 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 that that's a great point i'm glad you brought that up because that was another thing of what made all of these so much even more emotional was yeah because he was like the leader of a group of people so all these people that are now in matches it's even more there's even more emotional impact in something like this and and of course and and they they did it so well because every dark order member won yeah, the exactly. entire show. Exactly. But it never felt cheap. It never felt, oh, yep. e- even if you're looking at like, you're, oh, of course they'll have all of them win. It's like, it didn't feel like that, though. It felt like an accomplishment each time. Yeah. It felt like a big deal and an accomplishment. They all broke down afterward. Like, it was just, it was beautiful. It The whole show, but, but this match in particular, I thought was by far the highlight. I was a little disappointed it wasn't the main event, but, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, I get why it wasn't, but, uh. Because I thought I thought that was a highlight, so I just wanted to start with that because it was one of the best things I've ever seen. Um, just oh, just so good, and just Santana and Ortiz did a great job because they had to walk a fine line throughout this match, and I thought they did it because you know MJF's going above everybody, mm-hmm. and they were able somehow they were able to keep that in check without going overboard as well. And uh, so big shout out to Santana Ortiz, who were kind of un- unsung heroes of this match, who were kind of the people carrying it, to be honest. And um, yeah, that was that was just that was awesome. But um, but uh, most of the other matches were, were really good. Um, obviously, the other six man, Archer and Grayson and Evil Uno was really good with Kingston and Butcher and Blade. Because King- Kingston has a little bit of that with the MJF stuff. He's able to do that a little bit. He obviously he doesn't go as far. As MJF does, but but that worked pretty well. It's weird though because the Dark Order are heels, so it was kind of yeah. weird in this type of context where they basically just were the baby faces the whole time. So that that kind of confuses me. Once this feud started a few weeks ago, I've been confused with it because Lance Archer's a heel and Stu Grayson and Evil Uno are big time heels, and Eddie mm-hmm. Kingston and Butcher and Blade are big time heels, and they're feuding. So I'm not really sure where that goes, but obviously they were the baby faces in this match, and I thought they did a really good job. Um, Lance Archer coming out dressed as Luke Harper, and uh, obviously just Grayson and Evil Uno are awesome. I mean, that's the other thing people keep forgetting. They were the Dark Order long before uh, Brody Lee came around. So, right. So it's kind of, I've been kind of disappointed they've been kind of sidelined so much ever since the Exalted One thing has started. And so I, I'm kind of hoping they're going to be able to be pushed forward moving, you know, as we move forward with that, because I think they've kind of been sidelined a little bit just because of how big Brody Lee is. But um, but that but that was another really well done. That, that, that was the other best match, I thought, of the show was that six man match. Yeah, it, this is not really about that match specifically, but just what you said got me thinking the Dark Order was a thing. A pretty established thing for almost Brody a year debuted. Yeah. And it was a big deal when he showed up because yeah. they had laid the groundwork for the exalted one to show up. Yep. Which is it's funny to think about now because the whole show, beca- you know, it became about the exalted one and Brody Lee and also the Dark Order. And it's weird, like tragically poetic that it's just it's going to keep going without him again. I don't know yeah. where they go from here. I, d- I doubt they know. Yeah. But that's very interesting to think about because 
yeah, you kind of you forgot how long they were their own thing for a while before he showed up. But yeah, no, I I, I agree. Everything you just said, it was it was excellent. Um, I skipped most of the Young Bucks, Colt Cabana, Hardy, and Private Party match because I'm fed up with the Young Bucks. Did you it watch so good, all of though. that match? I'm sure it was. I'm sure well, it was fine. But uh, I don't get it. Why would why were the Young Bucks with Colt Cabana? And is Colt Cabana now actually in the Dark Order? I'm confused. Yeah, I mean, this wasn't really the episode to flesh out finer points of that story, was it? No. I mean, he was... He was in it already, wasn't he? Or were they just I, recruiting? Him? I think he's still just been hanging out with them. I, I, I don't thought think... he was in it, but he wasn't at he was like the new guy to the cult, right? Like you're new, you think everything's great, and they don't show you the sketchier stuff that's going on behind the scenes until I don't think they've ever made it official huh. at any point. But maybe so. Uh, you know, I don't watch most of the BTEs, so maybe it's happened on there. I'm not I'm not sure, but the finish of the match was good. They're telling a good story with Matt Hardy and Private Party where Matt Hardy's like slowly turning heel and trying to take them with him. I think that's kind of entertaining, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, that was good. Um, Anna Jay and Tay Conti wrestled Britt Baker and Penelope Ford. The match was fine. Um, good finish. Again, all the finishes were good. And, uh, and then, of course, you, you got a Thunder Rosa sighting coming out and beating up Britt Baker, so that's great. Um. Again, that's going to be awesome when that finally yeah. comes to a head. That, that's being built up wonderfully. And uh, then we had the main event, which was weird. And the whole time I'm like, okay, there has to be a reason for the way this main event is. And then they finally said it. They might have said it earlier, but I missed it. But they finally said it where it was Cody Rhodes, Orange Cassidy, and 10 of the Dark Order versus uh, Team Taz. And I was like, why are these three together? Like, that's so random. Why is 10 with these two guys when all the other dark order things have happened. And then it was, all right, these are the three favorites of Brody Lee jr. Who are tagging. Yeah. That like, was, okay. That, that, was really good. that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and that was, that was great too. That, that was another awesome match. 10 gets the big win. Um, as far as I can see, I don't, I don't know all the behind the scenes things, but it, it just seems like, Oh, what's his name? Preston, Preston Vance is, I think his name. It seems like he was like best friends with with Brody Lee. Um, that's just the way it appears. Like he was kind of like the the main the, the main friend of him, but I don't actually know. But um, but that was great. Him getting to uh, get the win there. He's got a great look. That dude's huge. <laughs> like he's got a great look. Kept a mask on the whole time, which most Dark Order people don't. It's really just yeah. Evil Uno and him. So yeah, big big plus for that. And then obviously Team Taz is just freaking phenomenal, man. So there's so much fun to watch. Ricky they got Starks, a really good Brian Cage, Hobbs. It's uh, it that that is such a great faction. Every every Did they give every, up on the powerhouse Hobbs thing. No, no, they still call him that, but I don't want to call him that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just ask is the recap I'm I'm looking at right now also calls him Will Hobbs, but I guess they're doing okay. the same thing you are and just saying, nope, that's not real. That's stupid. It is stupid. But, man, does he have the best smirk in the history of anything? Because I think he does. I mean, look, it's up there, but I mean, like, it's awesome. JF is also on the same show. I don't know if you can say Will Hobbs has the best smirk of anybody, but. I don't know, but his is way more animated than MJF's is. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's preference thing, but it's good. That's fair, but it's it is good. good. And then, of course, you had the moment at the end. They all start beating him up, and then here we go. We got Darby Allen and Sting coming out at the same time from the same place. 
which was, I don't care. It's always going to be awesome. It's always going to be amazing. It's always going to be perfect. It can't go wrong. AEW is, is so smart because each week it's just a little bit else. It's just something a little bit different. Sting has not made contact with anybody in a month since he's come back. Not one time. He's not hit someone with a bat. He's not done anything. He Most of the time he hasn't even talked. It comes out and then this time they just added on to it because now they both came out together. Didn't do a thing. Just walked into the ring. That's it. Into the, into the thing. And that's that's all you need. They're they're so smart with this. You just build it up. Just build it up slowly, slowly, slowly. And I think they're I think they're handling this great. Uh, I th- well, see, this is where I'm gonna nitpick a little bit. At some point, I, I I get the slow build. I get that you want to tease them forming a relationship. That's fine. This feels like like the fourth or fifth week in a row that they've been about to catch a beat down. Everything turns out, Sting's music hits, the snow starts falling, and he walks to the ring. In the course of 30 seconds, you can either keep beating up the good guys and their friends, or you can like go and attack Sting. At some point, there's sure. like four or five people in this group. At some point, they shouldn't just go like, and like run away like Shaggy and Scooby. I'm getting a little <laughs> tired of it. I get the point. I get that's why. Like, I, I get what they're doing. It's fine. I'm sure at some point there will be another development. I'm just really ready for there to be another development. Sure. Like at some point they can't like if you see Sting and you run scared the first time, I get it. By like the fourth week in a row, you should have discussed this was possibly going to happen as a group and had some sort of plan. I still kind of like the idea of they have discussed it, but still the presence of Sting yeah. is just like, yeah, you know what? No. <laughs> yeah. You know, like like I said, I'm not. It's not a bad thing. I'm just kind of like, oh, we're doing the okay, doing it again at some yeah. point. You know, well, plus, plus especially in in this show, you're not going to do anything. Oh, exactly, either, exactly. So. And I'm totally fine with that. By the way, this is just a, a larger point. I love Sting's entrance. I love the oh, yeah. snow. It is for it's this great. legend at like the twilight of his career. That's just such a perfect like. The imagery there is really, really good. I and, like that a lot. And you add on to the fact where he's already done just about every type of entrance in wrestling yeah. history, and they still came up with something different. It's a really cool touch. I thought it was funny that he and Darby Allen came out of the same exact place. I get what they're going for. Like, thematically, that's fine. It's just funny because is Darby Allen not a little annoyed about that? Like, you couldn't have waited did you not see me in there? Were they in the same room together in kayfabe before that? Probably not. I don't think so. I don't just, know. I assumed they were both just in the rafters somewhere the whole show. Just buddies. Yeah. Yeah. No, me, me too. It's just, it's a little funny because I know they weren't trying to do this, but it felt like Sting was one-upping him. Like, you're not coming in for the save. I'm coming <laughs> in for the save. This is all, this is all nitpicky. I just, I'm ready for the next development. I'm very excited for it because the more they do this, the weaker it makes Taz and company look at some point. You got to try to do something about this. Yeah, but that's a nitpick. That's fair. It's it's fine. Like I said, the entrance is still cool. I'm just ready for them to move on. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I want to talk a little bit more about Sting um, in just a second. But um, so then the end of the show, of course, was the big send off for Brody Lee, which was just done so so well i mean obviously you come out with his wife and his son and they they do the boots in the middle of the ring and uh (laughs) you know you have cody out there 10 out there and then tony khan and just kind of the whole final goodbye to a brody lee and then of course amazing video package 
including all the WWE stars in uh in pictures as well, which was awesome. And um uh, again, I don't I don't think they I don't think they could have done this any better. I don't think they could have done this show any better. Oh yeah, sorry, that's another thing I forgot to mention with that uh the best match of the night with that six man tag match. Eric Rowan came out. That was I was probably going to go back and watch this at some point anyway. I was just I was busy Wednesday night, but when I saw they got him to come out, I was like, "That's perfect." That oh, was my man. favorite part of the show. That was awesome. I I totally forgot about that. I'm so mad that I didn't mention that at all, like right off the bat. But that was amazing. He comes out, beats up Wardlow, you know, t- takes him out of the thing, and, th- and then came at- back out for the celebration. Just had a big card. Um, just saying tribute to uh to Brody Lee. That was. That was that the other was thing with that. It it was it was awesome. Again, actively crying whole into this match. It was just so perfect. I'm totally mad that I forgot about that. But anyway, that was great. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then of course the end with the big, awesome video package. Um, it was it, it was it was it was awesome. It was a perfect way to end it. Um, I I think AEW has handled this as tastefully as you possibly could, and as respectfully as you possibly could. They've made the most of it. And it was it was great. It was it was a great show, and it was a great show. Not even just as a tribute show, like the actual show was really good, and they actually were able to push certain things forward, even with the context of this being a tribute show. So, um, yeah, really, really well done to uh, to AEW Dynamite for this this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing else to say. It was a perfect episode. It obliterated NXT. This might be the biggest margin. A victory ever. It has to be. It was 977,000 to 586,000. I mean, I mean, it feels unfair to ask NXT wrestlers oh, to go sure. out there and try to do like a normal show. Because you know even they were like, don't watch this. Like, sure, don't, sure. But this is the one you tape and watch later, obviously. Yeah. But uh, but again, awesome, awesome, uh, awesome show. And definitely thought was was worth talking about. With this, um, all right. So I want to talk about Sting a little bit because uh, I don't know if you've listened to it, but he was on an episode of AEW's podcast I think two weeks ago. Ooh, and, I need to check uh, that out. Then. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. The podcast with Tony Schiavone and and um, uh, Audrey Edwards, I believe. Ed, yeah, the ref. The ref. Um, it's the ref. <laughs> and. Uh, but it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool having Sting on there, just talking about kind of the whole process of of leaving WWE and then uh, getting you know Tony Khan getting in contact with him back when he was still under contract with WWE, and then after that was done, you know, wanting to to try and do that. Basically, for him, he's like, I, I wasn't going to end my career like that. That that's really <laughs> what it came down to, because you know how just much of a train wreck everything in WWE was after his initial debut at Survivor Series. Everything else was just awful, um, which I don't want to keep talking about because I'll get angry. But um, yep. anyway, uh, and apparently he had already been pitching ideas for cinematic matches with The Undertaker, and they were turned down. And you're like, of course they were. Of course yep. they were, because yep. it's Sting. And WWE has always hated Sting more than anybody else. And I don't care what anyone says. That is 100% true. Sting has always been the number one enemy of WWE. Always. Always. Because he was always the guy. He was always the the guy who, 
you know, never jumped ship for 10 years. And um, he was the biggest thing. Well, I mean, either Sting storyline or Goldberg was the biggest thing in WCW. I would say he was the most consistent thing because oh, Goldberg for sure, for was sure. great. But it was, but Goldberg was just there at the end. Yeah. You know, Goldberg didn't come around till like 97. And then, you know, so he was only around for like four years when Sting was literally the top guy from 1990 on. So, yeah, I don't care what anyone says. WWE's always hated Sting. That was, and then even when he came, finally came up to WWE, they still hated Sting and just buried everything about him. So, that's not a surprise, but very disappointing, I'm sure, for everyone, because that would have been amazing, obviously. And apparently, that's his thing with T- uh, with um, uh, uh, AEW. Um, apparently, that's one of the things that that was talked about was cinematic type matches. So hmm. we'll see what that leads to. But if there was ever someone built for cinematic matches, it's Sting. And obviously, you know, he's 61 or whatever years old, right. so. I think that's the way to go. I don't know what that's going to look like, but especially with Darby Allen, anyone else made for cinematic matches, it's freaking Darby Allen who's already been doing it. And so I think I think we could be in for some freaking amazing stuff with Sting and Darby Allen in a cinematic set- setting. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. I didn't know he was on. I, I don't subscribe. I check in occasionally if there's somebody I'm interested in on there. Yeah. That sounds right up my alley. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad he hopefully knows that he can't go out there and take three buckle bombs anymore. Like, <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, uh, so that's pretty cool. That uh, looks, uh, looks interesting. Moving on. Um, we have to mention this Harris big time match coming up on AEW dark. we got Thunder Rosa versus Ashley Vox. And, uh, as far as Harris goes, it's going to be Thunder Rosa versus Thunder Rosa. I was going to say, is this going to be one of those things where it's like wrestling the invisible man in, in DDT? <laughs> You know that you know that um that old Pixar short Jerry's game where he's playing chess, the old, oh, the old yeah. man is playing chess. It's gonna yeah. be like that, right? Because I'm gonna have to delete Twitter for this match because you're just never gonna let me hear the end of it. Uh, and Thunder Rosa liked that tweet. I, don't I know. Even know if she knows what that means. There's no way. I don't. I don't know why that happened, but that was hilarious. Oh, man. You know the funniest part about that? And it doesn't matter, and I'm not making excuses, but you are the one who pointed out to me, oh, dude, look, it's Thunder Rosa. Like, you started that, and I believed you. Like, I agreed. I was like, oh, yeah, it is Thunder Rosa, when it wasn't. But, like, I wouldn't have gone to say anything if you hadn't pointed it out to me incorrectly in the first place. Not that it matters. That's the funniest part, though. But uh, you know, the worst part about this, I can't enjoy anything Thunder Rosa does without thinking of that and wanting to die a little bit inside. Uh, for those of you that don't this know, is going to be the match of the year and I'm never going to be able to watch it because it just embarrasses me. That's that's great. For those of you that don't remember a year ago at the first NWA taping me and Harris went to or maybe it was the, for the pay-per-view, but um, Ashley Vox was doing a signing. And Harris went right up to her and called her Thunder Rosa, which is... I didn't call her Thunder Rosa to her face. No, it was worse. Because I I was like... It was the first taping we went to because I had been watching up until that point trying to catch up. Right. But not well enough to know everyone yet, which is the key point here, obviously. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed that piece in your last episode in the last episode about your MMA fight and instantly was like, wait, that was a different person. <laughs> this is a girl who's never done that. And we both realized that she's like, oh, yeah. And then I bought something from because I was like, well, I just ruined your day. Should probably give you, you know, get your trading card. But Ashley Vox, everyone, look her up, watch her matches. She's great and a good oh, sport, man. Oh, it's still one of my favorite things ever. Has ever happened? Oh, that's great! So everyone watch AEW Dark to watch Thunder Rosa versus <laughs> Ashley Vox too. I know I will. Oh man, that's so funny. If nothing else. Uh, speaking of like, that, this is this is not quite as bad. But the only thing close to it I can think of is I don't know if you follow Aaron Solo on any social medias, but he's infamous because everyone just knows him as Bailey's husband. And mm-hmm. at what like one pay-per-view match he wrestled, I think in Mexico, the commentary team just referred to him as Mr. Bailey the entire time, <laughs> which in terms of like demoralizing things to happen in your wrestling career, probably not as bad as being mistaken for the wrong person, but <laughs> that's got to be up there. So every time I see him on an episode of Dark, I'm like, oh, hey, it's Bailey's husband. <laughs> I do that too. I should probably watch it so I know more about him as a wrestler and less as mr bailey but you know there it is that's funny but uh speaking of that um well not speaking of that so we're just uh that 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 was funny i found that i found that very entertaining um but uh harris i was trying to think about because thunder rosa follows us on twitter and um i was trying to think about all the wrestlers that follow us on twitter and um the only ones i could think of i know thunder rosa does obviously david arquette does for some reason, Sergeant Slaughter does. Nice. Jerry Lynn does. And Crowbar, who's from WCW, we've <laughs> talked about before. That's the only ones I could figure out. Because it only lets you go back a certain ways on the app, looking mm. through your followers. Because we have like 2,800 or something like that follow followers. And um, can you, do you know of any others? I I couldn't I couldn't think if there's more. There might be. I don't think so, although I think Thunder Rosa follows me personally, which is oh, pretty okay. cool. I wasn't expecting that. I just saw that yesterday. But huh. other than that, no, I think it's one of those things. I'm sure we're followed by like of those, what, 2,800 followers, 2,500 are other wrestling podcasts. Who sure. Are like, hey, oh, follow yeah, for, for sure. Follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't check. I, I, I tweet from the account occasionally. I don't check our followers. I just yeah. noticed Thunder Rosa was following me personally the other day. So other than that, I'm not really sure. Huh, I'm I mean, not I'm, sure if Thunder Rosa follows the my real, personal one. The real not. question is who are we blocked by? That's the real Well, question. I'm going to get into that. But on Instagram, I know we're followed obviously by David Arquette. And I know Big Vito follows us and likes a lot of our posts. He's mm. from WCW. Um, Like late, like 1999, 2000 WCW. So... Don't know why, but shout out to Big Vito. Um, the only one I know we're blocked by, Harris, is the best one we could possibly be blocked by, and that is Adam Copeland himself. We are blocked <laughs> by Edge, which I've talked about before. That's right. I found that out. I think it was back when Edge debuted, or like came back in the Royal Rumble. It was mm-hmm. sometime around then when I don't remember why I was, or maybe it was when he, we used him as a topic. On one of the podcasts, maybe at the Edge and Lead episode or something where I was maybe going to tag him. I don't remember. But, like, I couldn't find him. And then searched on, like, another account. Or uh, then finally, like, searched his name or something and found out we were blocked by him. Which is one of my favorite moments in the history of my life. That was one of the greatest things 
I've ever discovered. And the best part about it was never one tag for Edge ever in any posts. I literally did like advanced Twitter search to see if we'd ever mention Edge. There were like three tweets and they were literally like promoting like our, our Edge and Lita episode and like we mentioned them maybe in a couple others. Nothing was even derogatory. I think one might have mentioned overrated. And that was it. That was it. <laughs> Somehow we got blocked from that, which is even better. I know we've talked about this. I think I don't think it was the Edge and Lita episode. I think what it was I think we realized it happened at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because That's my immediate I mean. response was and still is. I kind of hope Edge or whoever runs Edge's Twitter account just routinely blocks anyone who talks about the Edge and Lita sex show angle. Which maybe it could be. If I were them, I, I like I don't I, I wouldn't fault them for that. I mean, but, otherwise he just like you trashed him and he just decided. To... But I didn't like I'd never even trashed Edge on anything, which is so that that's the part that maybe even he weirder. listened. Maybe he listened to the episode. Maybe, and was like, oh, and now I have Mark on the episodes, me. so may, that that could be. But anyway, that was that was wonderful. So mm. we're blocked by it. We might be blocked by more. I'm I'm not I'm not sure, but uh, we're blocked by Edge, and that is such an accomplishment i mean that that's as that's almost as big as an accomplishment as getting followed by david arquette in the first place like that that's our biggest accomplishment as the show by far is everything with david arquette well getting him on the show yeah right right right, right, right. yeah should have quit immediially i mean that was it we really yeah we've we're (laughs) never gonna come back to that we're never gonna get that good again but um but yeah that, that that's a highlight so i was just thinking about that earlier today the wrestlers with that um i want to talk oh wait so um Coming up, I think later this week, me and my buddy Ian on my other podcast, the Uncaped Crusaders Review, we're going to do our like top 10 movies of 2020, which is not easy because there's not been very many. Mm. But uh, my number one movie is, of course, You Cannot Kill David Arquette. I don't care if it's a documentary. It counts, especially yeah, it's this still year. A movie. Number one, counts. five stars, was everything we hoped for. So I just wanted to shout that out again. Talking about the year 2020, we finally got to see You Cannot Kill David Arquette after a long, long delay. We were supposed to see it in March or around that time, and then with then COVID hit, and then we didn't get to see it till uh, till August. But um, big shout out to that. If you haven't watched You Cannot Kill David Arquette yet, why? Why have you not watched it yet? It's 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 fantastic. It's one of the best wrestling documentaries ever. And um, you're gonna learn a lot of a lot of stuff, not just about David Arquette, but just wrestling stuff in general, which is a lot of fun. So have to give a shout out to our patron saying David Arquette for that film coming out in uh, in 2020. I know he had a couple other movies come out. I know we did Mob Town. I know he's had a couple others that we haven't done yet. So maybe we'll get to some of those at some point. But the thing is, he's not like the main character in most of the other movies that have come out mm-hmm. like he was in Mob Town. So that's why that one was a little different. But anyway. Uh, all right. So Harris, let's talk about the year 2020 in wrestling. It was a little odd, wasn't it? Just a, just a bit. Just a bit. Just a bit. We had like a normal month. The rumble was cool. We had two normal months. Uh, January and February were, were, were pretty yep. much normal. And then not so much. So the the beginning, it really couldn't have started much better. The The year was great at the beginning. I mean, NWA was going crazy. We were going mm-hmm. to a bunch of those shows. It was fantastic. They had a pay-per-view coming up. 
they were building up to their biggest pay-per-view ever. We're finally going to go to the 10,000-seat arena in College Park. Brand new arena down there, south of Atlanta. We were ready for that. We had tickets for that. I went to the press conference, interviewed Nick Aldis and Marty Skrull. It was all looking great, and then just totally just obliterated everything NWA had been working towards for like nine months. Like just... And they haven't done anything really since. So they're still going, you know, apparently they're still around and still trying to do something, but they've lost most of their wrestlers at this point. And I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with, uh, with them moving forward. But as far as like the, the downsides of what, what 2020 has been, I, for me, at least wrestling wise, it's, it's been NWA because that's just, that was such a gut punch for them. And I I don't know if they're going to be able to recover. Well, I don't know. It depends. I I don't know their financial situation, how much money they were actually making and how much money like Billy Corgan is willing to pour into it. Yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing I was honestly kind of shocked by is that they managed to keep Nick all this. Yeah. I think if they can keep him and they're willing to invest the capital in running that build again, they can, build up to another big show like they you know the the whole thing is we get young talent we get people you haven't heard of that much we have them fight with the more established talent and we start this push i mean it's the same you know classic old school wrestling booking and they've proven they can do it really well i think you have to have somebody nick aldis holding that title yeah to give it the air of legitimacy i mean i don't i don't know if the other members of his faction have gone anywhere I don't know. If, I don't think Camille's signed anywhere else. I mean, there's a couple people that I think if you can keep and they're willing to keep pouring money into it, they can run just that same nine, you know, like year long build to a big pay-per-view again. I just, yeah, I don't know if they're willing to do that or not. I mean, that's the thing that'll make all the difference. Cause yeah, like everyone else, like AEW has survived and even continued to thrive. And like, obviously WWE isn't going anywhere. Right. But it's that, yeah, NWA is definitely like the smallest company that we followed really closely, and they got hit the hardest by it. Yeah, yeah, that was that was so disappointing um, for us, and and obviously for them. But uh, but yeah, that, that's fair. I mean, they still, as long as they can keep a couple of those main pieces, I I think because again, it's not like they were putting a ton of money into it in the first place. Right, they, they were doing it right where they were keeping everything low the studio things the you know the multiple tapings i mean they were already doing all that and uh so yeah ho- hopefully they're able to start but they're basically gonna have to start from scratch again like they did last year and and they're just gonna have to start building that up at some point which is which is disappointing um speaking of that i i've realized i have had a massive withdrawal from aaron stevens and 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 question mark <laughs> Every like I saw something recently and I was like, oh, my gosh, I miss him so much. <laughs> no kidding. It's like he was he was like the best part of NWA. He was the most entertaining person in the entire company. You talk about a guy who had freaking exploded like with with charisma and everything like, oh, man, I, I don't know if there's someone more entertaining in the entire company. Yeah, I know. Oh, I it, miss him. He was perfect for that venue and for the live, the live audience. Oh, especially. perfect, especially a, a, a crowd of three or to four hundred people is perfect for yep. someone like him. 
Oh man, that has nothing to do with anything. So that that happened. Um, obviously, wrestling just came to a halt in uh, in March. No crowds. AEW did it right. WWE did it very wrong for a couple months there when they just had literally nobody, nothing, empty, no sound, no anything, no pumped in sound, nothing, just quiet. And that was officially when I quit anything related to watching anything of WWE from then on out and have not gone back since. Um, and, uh, but AEW always did it right. They put the other wrestlers out there, even though at first I think it was like 10 or something yeah, it like wasn't that, a lot. but it still was something. Um, even when they were filming in a studio in Atlanta, they were still putting a few people out there. And then obviously as soon as they could, um, move to Daly's place with the lesser restrictions in Florida, we're able to start putting people in there. And so to me, AEW didn't really lose much of a beat. The biggest problem for them was just the big, uh, the big reveals that were, you know, just lessened, yeah. you know, especially with Matt Hardy and, and people like that. You know, I, I think he's the main one that was the real big coming out. But then Brody Lee also Matt Hardy and Brody Lee both had to come out kind of in that. So but other than that, I feel like they did. They handled this probably as good as any wrestling company possibly could. Yeah, well, and here's the other thing I think has worked in their favor and part of this is just because they're the like cool alternative product right now but having your own home base yeah where everything emanates from it's just such an old school way to run your wrestling show and that's been really cool and i'm honestly going to miss that whenever they start touring again like i had this thought a few months ago probably but i was like oh it'll be really cool like when lockdowns are lifted and they can have a full arena, like I would like to go to Jacksonville and see a show. And then I was like, wait, no, they're just going to be touring again. Right. Which is cool. But like, I think WWE has kind of ruined us in many regards, like the touring different 10,000 seat arenas every week just makes it feel very monotonous and corporate and having like emanating from Daly's plays every week makes it feel a lot like the NWA where you're used to that studio. You're used to that home base and it feels a lot more, when I say small time, that sounds like I'm knocking it. I'm not. It feels small time in a good way. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. been really cool to see from them. And in a way that like WWE creating the Thunderdome helped. And that's a cool addition. But that's a very like corporate techno heavy solution to the problem. And emanating yeah. from Daly's place with like 100 fans and all your wrestlers. Well, it's keeping a th- I think, I think while it's they a thousand fans. But yeah, well, you know, I'm, but yeah, I'm yeah, exaggerating. Yeah. But yeah. That feels a lot more organic and fun, and that's been yet the best part about this for me, and that's what I'm going to miss the most, honestly. Having crowds will be great, but I like that home base feel that they've created. Yeah, that is a good point. Uh, That's a very good point. It has it has created a cool a cool environment. You gonna you gonna shut off your uh, your AC? No, I'm not. It's cold in here, man. (sighs) It's the heat, dude. Come on, it's January. It's never cold down there. Um, anyway, so I figured we could talk about some of our best moments of wrestling in the year of 2020. Um, do you have like a top, uh, I guess we could go by company if you want, but um, I don't have enough to formulate an organized list. Cause I didn't know we were doing, no, 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 not a list 30 minutes ago. No, we, we don't need to do any specific list or anything like that. I just, just going to talk about highlights that, that you can remember from, uh, from the year. Cause for me, the biggest highlight other than 
obviously we've talked about NWA. Just all of those were were awesome to get to go to. Um, me getting to go to the press conference was fun. Getting to interview Nick Aldison, Marty Scroll, that was awesome. But uh, but for me, it's obviously going to be getting to go to AEW Dynamite finally in in Atlanta, which was one of the last things before lockdown. It was February nineteenth, basically a month from when everything was shut down, and uh, that was awesome. I'm still bummed that you didn't come because you were like, "Oh, I have tech stuff," and it's like, "Yeah, that that backfired." Pretty, uh, yeah, I mean, look, harshly. if I had known everything that was about to happen, I probably would have gone. But at the time, that was the right decision. Yeah, because yeah, I, no, no, I was I like, it. oh, yeah, well, you know, I'll go the next time they come sometime in the summer or fall. Nope. Yep. No, you won't. No, no, it's no, fun. no, you won't. But uh, that was awesome. <laughs> that was a great show. Cage match. Cody Rhodes, Wardlow. Cody dives off the top of the cage, bleeding all over the place, and then cuts a promo talking about being back in Atlanta with TNT and and all that stuff was just oh it was awesome. To be honest, I had completely forgotten that anything else happened on the show. Um and then I was like, "Oh yeah, that was an amazing tag team match for the tag team titles between Omega and Page and the Lucha Brothers. That was amazing." And I was like, "Oh yeah. Forgot all about that match because uh because of the main event, but um that was awesome. Finally just getting CAEW Come home. I don't care about Jacksonville. Atlanta is home, and uh, Atlanta is home for wrestling. And that's been the best thing about this year for me in wrestling is just being able to completely get rid of WWE in every way, shape, and form because of AEW. I've been waiting for like 15 years to to ignore WWE, and uh, and finally, finally, we're at the point where that is not only possible but preferred. And so I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying that a lot because AEW has been killing it 90% of the time. They are making the right decisions and everything like that. And, um, so that's been fun. I've been able to completely cut out WWE. Really the last thing was pretty much WrestleMania. And, uh, although I did, I did watch part of Survivor Series just cause it was on when we were recording, but, um, <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, but yeah, WrestleMania was really the last thing, which I want to talk about cause WrestleMania had some great moments in it. Now, for the most part, it was blah and very disappointing, but it had those two matches, Harris. It had the Boneyard match, which was a lot of fun, and it had what I thought was the superior match with the Firefly Funhouse match, which I think is the best thing WWE has done in years. I mean, that we've talked, we did a whole episode talking about that match, but the Bray Wyatt, Fiend, John Cena, Firefly Funhouse match is, I, I think, the best, probably the best work WWE has done in like five years because it was it was perfect oh yeah absolutely i mean everything about it and the fact that they were allowed to be so critical of wwe and their poster boy john mm-hmm. cena who is still trapped in the puppet dimension by the way <laughs> right i forgot about that i haven't he forgotten even if everyone else has <laughs> we have not seen him since so yeah no he's That's... i'm telling you man he's they say they might do another firefly funhouse match with bray wyatt and randy orton which would be like he's got that same level of company history. That could be yeah. really good. But they've already done stuff sp- like that with, or attempted it with them twice. Right. Well, they've in done the other cinematic stuff. It hasn't a been lot. a Firefly Funhouse match. It's a right. different thing. So That's we'll see. True. So uh, maybe we'll see John Cena somewhere in there. <laughs> that would be the best thing is if Randy Orton is in a Firefly Funhouse match and all of a sudden John Cena is just there. <laughs> and he's just like, hey, man, been here for a year. That would yep. be really funny. What, what's really going on funny. in the outside world? Yeah, exactly. 
That's a great idea. See, this is why we should be booking stuff, Harris. Absolutely. Well, listen, they've probably thought of it. I mean, they don't give Bray Wyatt control over everything, but he pretty much wrote that Firefly Funhouse match. So yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know I haven't been watching, but I know him and Randy Orton have been doing some crazy stuff that I think has been going over well with people. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Um, Dude, I'm telling you, you'll this will be hang on. This will be my WWE spiel and then we can we can we can move on to other stuff. But I'm telling you, at some point in the future, whenever you're bored and like browse around on the network, they've done stuff this year that you would enjoy. They put Alexa Bliss in the Firefly Funhouse. Yeah, she's killing it. Yeah, I've she's been coasting for a while and she did a little bit of a tag team thing with Nikki Cross that was pretty uninspired but they finally they let her like be the creepy doll in a horror movie and she's been killing it she's great at that uh the rumble was fun i didn't love edge winning because i'm kind of tired of like yeah i was gonna talk about worst moments of 2020 you want to we could just jump right into that i don't really worst moment edge having a surprise entry in the royal rumble for the second time in my life and then winning for the second Um, time in my life sorry buddy I thought it was a cool moment. I didn't grow up watching him, so it wasn't as cool for me as it was so a lot mad. of other people, but that was fine. It you was... talk about something I never thought I would have to go through twice. And then sure enough, I had to go through it already once in my first ever live wrestling show at the 2020, uh, 2010 Royal Rumble. Edge mm-hmm. coming back and then winning. Just totally throwing a huge damper on my entire first experience after a great show. And then it had to happen again. At this stupid Royal Rumble. Yay! Edge is back from his dumb neck injury. Woo! We're all super excited. And then he wins the match. Oh, yay! Now he's going to wrestle at WrestleMania. That that was actually okay. I'll give him that. The The buildup with Randy Orton and Edge was was pretty good until, until COVID hit. Um, I, I just really liked watching Randy Orton beating the brains out of Edge. I, I enjoyed that immensely. And then even that was kind of ruined by COVID. And for some reasons, there's too many people that liked their last man standing match at WrestleMania, which me and you both agreed was one of the most boring things we've ever watched ever. And it's, um, it's news to me that anybody thought it was. Great. Oh, no, I mean, there was, was a lot like, of people that liked edited it. it down to like 15 minutes. It would have been fine. Yeah, but it yes, it would have. Yeah, it was literally 40 minutes long of them just walking around backstage and hitting them, each other with stuff. And uh, oh man, but I'm no, that was dumb. At least he went away again, and we haven't had to deal with Edge doing anything since then. They had a whole another match, Mark. It was the greatest wrestling match of all time. That's how they build it before oh, it happened. Yeah. That was one of the funniest things that happened all year because I'm pretty sure oh, they yeah. just See, did it I, as a that, rip. that was when I had quit WWE completely oh, and I completely forgot dude, that, that was a thing. That was incredible. I forgot that, that was, was a incredible because they're at the contract signing and I think it was Charlie Caruso is like, and if this match happens, it could be the greatest wrestling match ever. Oh boy. And then they both kind of like look they were like wait what and then the show ended <laughs> i swear either she just like improvised that line and they did it as a joke or i i don't know what they were thinking that's one of the funniest things i've ever seen and it's been really funny to see wrestling like just see what happens when fans aren't actively trying to derail the show every week on monday night raw yeah like that's been kind of refreshing just to let them book and tell a story because here's the thing, and this is not the worst part of the year. This is the other good thing of the year. They're booking Roman Reigns perfectly right now, and like, and 
and it does like there's nobody there to appreciate it and there's nobody there to cheer for him and like screw up his heel run that's also very funny because that's i guarantee you if there were people there right now he would be like the most over person on the show and it wouldn't like he he couldn't be a heel anymore interesting well it's been good dude it's been good he's feuding with kevin owens he's got the usos in his corner in in five or ten years when you're bored and just surfing the network and you watch this you'll be like oh wow that was good well i I'm guess just, that's i'm just good. telling you um yeah. so, some other good stuff about the year we got the rise of john moxley an yep. amazing title run it yep. through the pandemic which threatened to derail that right off the bat and it took him a while uh, at least for me it took him a while to really get over even though i've always been a moxley fan i've liked him ever since he came into aw of course um but he won the title from um, Jericho at the last live event pay-per-view for AEW Revolution in, Feb- in February. And then the pandemic immediately hit. And, like, he was never there. Like, I, I, part, a part of it was, you know, he and, and Renee both went through COVID stuff. So mm-hmm. he was gone for all. But also, he just never was on the show. Even now, it's like he's always just doing these pre-taped segments. Which bugs me i've never been a fan of that it's one of the things i really hated when the several of the rocks returns it's like you're not there man like you're not there like it's i get it and you're good at them but you're the champion like be here that's one thing jericho did so well like jericho never wrestled when he was the champion he wrestled like three times but he was at every show you know as the champion and uh, I don't know why they've done that with Mox. I don't know why they've had him not show up live so many times. But but eventually, it took a couple months at least for me, but eventually it hit and and I thought his run was phenomenal with everything he worked with, everyone he helped get over, the big match feel anytime he defended the title, the type of wrestling style he does where he can basically wrestle any way any of his <laughs> opponents need him to. And um, that kind of hard-fighting babyface, but who's still really edgy, is a really difficult thing to pull off. And I thought he nailed it. So I really enjoyed his title run. Yeah, no, listen, I, I've been on board, I think, from day one, just the yeah. way he, the, the title matches in particular. I think his run has been one of my favorite babyface title runs, full stop, since I started watching wrestling. I think maybe this is just because I started watching in 2014 and like so much of my time as a wrestling fan was defined by like early Haas Brock Lesnar in the, you know, a little more than a year following Daniel Bryan's run at WrestleMania 30. I I don't know. I'm fine with him not physically being there every week. To me, it's more important that the title matches are good, that the stories they tell make sense and that he's a believable fighting champion. And I think he crushed all of those things. Sure. To me, the scarcity, that, that's a really hard thing to replicate in wrestling, but that's what makes a good title run really special. And I have no problem with him. As long as the story's progressing and he's cutting promos and doing something, Yeah, I thought that was fine. I had no problem with that. So, yeah, no, I agree. That's been a great run to watch. I kind of wish it hadn't ended the way it did. Not that Kenny Omega's not a good choice as a heel champion, but the screw job emphasis there i think kind of cheapened the end of his title run but nah, yeah, it was I, I thought it was perfect i i yeah. loved i love the ending of it i thought it was 
I thought it was great. I thought they did it really well. Thought Omega's the perfect person. Makes sense. I I assume Moxley's not going to be around much over the next several months because of uh, Renee being pregnant. So I feel like that probably had something something to do with it too. But um, yeah, no, it was it was definitely a highlight of 2020 for sure. Just the whole the whole run of uh of John Moxley as AEW champion. Also, you had Cody Rhodes, obviously, run with the TNT title, which was awesome. He did the John Cena thing with the US title from like five five years ago, where he won it and was like, well, this is the television title, so we're gonna wrestle for this every week. And it was awesome. And it made he made he constantly wrestled new people. Him and Jericho have both been outstanding at that in their entire WWE or AEW run of constantly working with new people and then getting them over in the process um, because their star power is that, that big where they can do that. And their, and their egos, it seems like are in the right place where they can keep themselves over. They're not harming themselves because they know that there are like they're, they're, they're self-confident in where they are. Like they have the right level of, you know, awareness where they're like, look, we're, we're these stars. We know we are. That's not going to get hurt by us having these competitive matches with lower tier people. And in the process, we're going to build them up even more. I thought I think both of them, Rhodes and Jericho, have been just putting on a clinic as far as getting guys over. Yeah, I mean, I think it takes the confidence, to, you know, understand that wrestling like we're not judging you as a wrestler based on how often you win or lose. Right. You know? Like, that's cool to have in kayfabe, but in real life, like, we're pulling for the people that entertain us the most. And the knowledge that you can go out there and put on a barn burner of a match with somebody who, in kayfabe, is lower down on the card, that doesn't actually hurt you. I think it takes, yeah, like you said, having your ego in the right place to do that and to pull it off. Mm -hmm. And I'm a – you talk about your fighting champions. Yeah, I love a good – TNT open challenge John Cena didn't pioneer this but he in my mind is always going to be the best version of this at least for the time being but I loved Cody doing the same thing Cody getting annihilated by Brody Lee yeah one of my favorite moments of the year that was awesome every minute of that was awesome yep and then then they came back with that dog collar match which was the last match of Brody Lee's life and man you talk about I mean if there was a way I mean, he ended it on top with probably his best match. I mean, that match was amazing. That dog collar match was absolutely outstanding. And uh, it it could only... Again, Cody, I think, is the only person in all of wrestling right now who can pull off that type of stuff because he's the only one that has the commitment of old-schoolness. Really. I I, I think he's one of the only ones. Maybe, you know... I mean, there's others, you know, like we've mentioned Nick Aldis and stuff like that who kind of have that same type of type of thing but no one else could have pulled that off other than cody Rhodes. and dog uh, and collar the, matches are hard to pull off just in general <laughs> yeah i mean why do you think there's only one anyone ever remembers because they don't go over well and yeah they're hard it's only it's only worked once and that was piper and valentine and it worked so well that that's the only one we remember Yep. You know, f- almost 40 years later. But now that we have another one to remember, because this one was this one was great. And it'll obviously live on forever, even more so being the last match for uh, for Brody Lee for for that that TNT yep. champion championship. So now, Mark, you know who else had a great title run this year? 
Yeah. Who? It was Bailey, my dude. Oh, no, no, Again. no, no, I, no, no. Listen to Nobody me. Nobody cares. Nobody. Yes, they, no, they don't. People who actually watch all wrestling and don't just dump a company because of one. Yeah, dude, trust me. It's go, it's going to fly a little under the radar because there weren't people here. But, like, this was the main roster run of excellence that I've been waiting for. And I know that, like, you didn't watch it. And I know... You know, it's fun to act like WWE can't do anything right. She put together a really, really, really good heel run. She became like the most hateable thing you can be in 2020, which is a Karen. And she ran that thing perfectly. The feud with Sasha Banks was great. Her promos are hilarious. Like she's a genuinely funny heel, which is great. It's just to me, it's nice to look back. Obviously, I'm partial to her NXT run. I finally secured the bag, and by the bag, I mean that chalkline uh, jacket with Prime Babyface Bailey on it. I'm waiting really happy on that to that. be your stupid Twitter profile picture. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I can't wear it until there's another show to go to, and who knows when that'll be. So you don't – even I'm not going to just like wear that to the grocery store or something, at least not when it's not <laughs> WrestleMania weekend. But – but here's the thing. Again, I'm telling you, like in five or ten years when you have some time to kill and you're just looking for wrestling to watch, there's a lot of stuff that happened this year in WWE that's really actually worth your time. And in like whenever Bailey's done and people look back on her career, it's not just going to be, oh, yeah, there was a really good NXT run and then she floundered in the main roster like so many people do. Like this was great. And she's still doing it. She just doesn't have the title anymore. But longest reigning SmackDown women's champion that that's her. And it's not going to be Sasha Banks because Sasha Banks famously can't, can't retain. She retained once against Carmella. She's not holding it for a year plus. It's just not going to happen. I know you don't care, but I have to point it out because that's been really fun for me to watch. Sure. Sure. 2020, the year of Roman reigns and Bailey and no people there to enjoy it. That's just, that's so typical. (laughs) Uh, It's been a hard year for Harris. Um, Mm. All right. Uh, well, also, as far as another rise of um, of individuals, obviously, I think Darby Allen has had a huge one with this year. I feel bad, though. I feel like Darby Allen is uh, probably the individual who was hurt most by 2020, even though he mm-hmm. obviously wasn't hurt much because, I mean, he won the TNT title. He's doing the thing with Sting. I mean, you couldn't get much better than what he's in right now, better spot than what he's in right now. But... You guys have to remember, he was probably the most over individual in the entire company with with fans when this whole thing happened. I mean, Cody's obviously always been up there. Jericho obviously gets people to sing and stuff. But, but the pops for Darby were the biggest pops when this whole thing shut down. Like, the, obviously, the, the, the Dynamite in Atlanta that I went to, the biggest pop of the entire night... I mean, obviously, Cody jumping off the cage probably popped the crowd the most. But as far as, like, entrance pops, it was Darby coming out to save the day from the inner circle. That was the biggest pop. The lights went out. The music hits. He comes out with the skateboard. Like, Taz said it on commentary. And that doesn't happen very often where they <laughs> mention stuff like that. And he even was like, what a pop. Like, like <laughs> on, on the mic as it was coming out. Like, it was huge. And, uh... He, I, th- I thought it really hurt him. I thought at the beginning, just because he was so 
much of a fan favorite that once the crowds were gone, all those who were the big fan favorites, I think were hurt. Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy were another one who I thought were hurt by that a lot. He was a top five most over person in the company. I don't care what anyone says was Luchasaurus and he hasn't done anything. They haven't done anything since then. They have this thing set coming up with FTR um, where they're wrestling them. I think either next week or the week after. So hopefully they can start being uh, brought back into some sort of something. But, uh, but, but even with all that, man, Darby found a way to come back. Obviously he does all the crazy video stuff. So, so that's helped him with all this stuff that he films at his house. Um, and, and then now, man, he kind of started to become that, that watchful vigilante type character. And, and even it was a thing where we were like, oh yeah, he's out in the crowd, out in the crowd that kind of reminds us of Sting. But that was at least for me, that was never like a thing that I immediately was putting together because it felt, it still felt unique. Everything he does still feels so unique that even when he was doing that, it wasn't like, oh, he's copying Sting. It felt like it fit with everything he's done. And then Sting comes out, which was the best moment of 2020 by far in the wrestling world. (laughs) And, and then it was like, everything was just like, oh, of course, AEW is the smartest wrestling company in years because they've probably been doing this for two months, knowing what it was leading to. And now it's even better than what we could have thought. Obviously, Darby beats Cody in an amazing match at full gear, finally gets the title, and now it's kind of had that thing going, the Sting thing starting, he's going to wrestle Brian Cage for the title, stuff with Taz, and uh, yeah, at this point, Darby, man, what what a freaking coming out this year that ended up, after starting kind of rough with the no crowds, he was able to bounce back and couldn't be any bigger than he is right now. Yeah, I think the thing you really nailed is he's able to do all this stuff that just seems cool. Like he's charismatic enough to pull off just sitting like sitting up in the rafters with the TNT title. You're like, oh, yeah, Darby Allen being moody like the crow. I, I can see that. Yep. And then as soon as Sting debuts, you're like, oh, that's what they're doing. Like yep. the fact that he can pull that kind of stuff off on his own before sting debuts and then you realize they're kind of putting the pieces together and foreshadowing different things that was really really cool to see and that speaks to how good he is and how charismatic he is and but also yeah like you said and like this shouldn't be a character that someone who's my size should be able to pull off Hmm. like it shouldn't be he's like five eight he's like 160 pounds he shouldn't be able to do that he shouldn't be able to pull off being the you know, vigilante air who comes and saves the day like that. That shouldn't work, but somehow it does. I don't know how, but it does. And you don't question it. He's able to wrestle all these guys bigger than him and it not feel ridiculous, which is something I think AEW sometimes has struggled with a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's really impressive. The only other person I could think of who was really able to always do that was Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio was able to pull that off, and he was really the first really tiny guy who was able to do that, and we've seen very few uh, in the history of wrestling. I mean, obviously, the 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 mid-sized guys have risen to the forefront now with Daniel Bryan and CM Punk kind of breaking that open as far as main event stuff, but, you know, they're still, you know, around six feet. So, you yeah. know, I'm talking about, like, the, the sub-5'10", you know, sub five, nine type type guys. You don't, you don't see that often ever. 
And uh, seeing that with Darby is fun. Getting to see that. So, um, okay, one more match. I totally forgot about that we need to talk about before we're done, Harris. Okay. Stadium Stampede. This feels like it was five years ago. I know, right? It was so fun, though, to watch. It was awesome. I completely forgot about it. I almost... I remembered it existed because I was I was browsing pro wrestling tees for the holidays to see if I wanted to get myself anything, and I ended up not. I might later. I don't know. But stupid Sting debut <laughs> wrecked my uh, well, my vow of no more wrestling yeah. shirts. But well, but they they made and were selling those Stadium Stampede winners yeah. T shirts for like fifty percent off for the inner circle <laughs> and that was great i think all of their like t-shirt gimmicks that's been my favorite one that, was that entire funny. match was awesome that was it was one of the you, matches you of talk the year. about the a, way to do and i don't even know how to describe that because it wasn't like a cinematic match it was just like i i don't i've never seen anything like it i don't even right. know what to call it i it, it was like well, like it was taped, obviously, right, right. but it wasn't cinematic in the sense of like crazy edits or special no. effects. It was just this really insane fight that happened in an empty football stadium. That's all, I, yeah, it was oh, it was a blast. That's one it of those things really, really where fun. there was too many things. I don't even know what my favorite part of it was because it was like six <sighs> favorite parts. I mean, you have Matt Hardy in the pit of in the pool coming out as all the different versions every time mm-hmm. he's dunked by Santana and Ortiz, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. You have freaking Hangman just randomly on a horse chasing Sammy Guevara to his death, which was fantastic. You have Jake Hager and Hangman doing a, a cowboy bar fight in the bar of the—I uh, don't even remember what the name of the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium. It's not Everbank Field anymore. It's called something else, but— uh you had that happen like it was just like one after another you have matt you have matt jackson doing a hundred yard northern light suplex on uh on sammy guevara like it was it was awesome i think the the hundred yard suplex was my favorite part but there were a couple different moments in this match the mascot with jericho it was you know hitting the mascot into the into the the field goal thing, and then mm-hmm. doing a replay with uh, yep. with Aubrey. It was just, it was one after another. Okay, so you hit the the two other things I wanted to talk about. Those were the three distinct moments where I remember saying, "Oh, I wonder if they're going to do this," and then they do. Right, like two or three different times. They te- they they don't even tease it. They just present it to you. You put the pieces together and say, "Oh, is Jericho really?" And then he goes to the replay booth throws the red flag and challenges the pinfall. Just so many little details like that that are like both incredibly silly and also like, yeah, of course, why wouldn't he get in a fight with Jackson DeVille? Like that would happen. Those three, the hundred yard suplex, the elbow to Jackson DeVille and the replay booth were my favorite parts of that match. Cause that is the purest, like, Hey, what's a fun thing we can do if we're in a football match or in a football stadium? Yeah. Something that'll be really silly, but also again make perfect sense in this wacky world of kayfabe we've created, and that's what it was. That was a blast. Sammy that Guevara was probably... just getting destroyed, and then then at the very end, just getting hit with all the sprinklers was fantastic. <laughs> I where you know he played the he played the you know the woe is me guy who everything that happened wrong happened to him the whole time yep. and then yep. at the very end after he got suplexed for a hundred yards yep. just gets drilled by all the sprinklers and it was just uh 
Well, then he ate the one winged awesome. angel at the yeah, end, yeah. right? He took like, the finish, yeah, off the off the balcony, <laughs> the boxes yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was incredible. That was a great match. Oh, that was a lot of fun. But I just, I just uh, remembered about that. And I was like, okay, we got, we got to mention that because that was just, that was a whole nother level of just innovation that I've never seen. I, I know, I know, other companies have done stuff like that. I'm sure, I'm sure some other smaller companies have done it, but I'd never seen anything like that before. Yeah, I mean, uh, the year of the cinematic matches, right? That's what, again, in five or 10 years, people are going to look back on 2020. And I think. But they also haven't overdone it. AEW or WWE. It's just been a handful of times. If I had to pick one, I I, I say the Firefly Funhouse match is better just because of the meta stuff that they were able to incorporate. But just as far as like a straight up, you can sit anyone down and show them this match and they will understand pro wrestling. Yeah, the stadium stampede was amazing. I mean, one of the best things that happened all year. Yeah. Easily. Yep. All right. Well, I don't really have anything else. We've been rambling on for an hour and a half mm-hmm. almost of just uh, mm-hmm. non-topic stuff. But um, that was fun. I figured we had enough to talk about. Kind of a recap type thing. I'm just recapping a crazy yeah. year in in, uh, in professional wrestling. And it was a, a way for us to get another episode out there. Um, even though, obviously, I didn't have time to actually put together a, uh, a full episode. So hopefully next week we'll be back to a regular episode. Again, hopefully, because I never know what's going to happen. But... That's okay. at least the plan as of now. Okay, but, let, um, tell, let me tell you this, and tell me if this changes your plan. You know what's tomorrow, right? No. Wrestle Kingdom 15, my good sir. Oh, day yeah. one is Monday, day two is Tuesday. So I'm definitely going to be checking that Shoot. out. Whether there's enough there for us to just recap that show, or if we'll recap that show and I do a topic next week, I'm not okay. sure, but keep well, that on your radar. Okay, okay, I, I forgot, because, yeah, I did think about that the other day, because I was like, oh, man, Wrestle Kingdom's got to be coming up, and then I forgot again. It's like, oh, yeah, you're right. That, that, to be honest, this has been probably the least I've followed New Japan in the past few years. At least over the past few years, I was following it at least somewhat. I mean, I had the network, or uh, all of yeah. last year, New of Japan 2019, World. and was watching it quite a bit. But have not at all since the last Wrestle Kingdom, obviously, because well, they didn't even have shows for like the first half of the year, so that was part of it. But um, oh yeah, I got to do that. So I have no idea what's going on. I assume Naito's still the champ, but yeah. So the only I, I looked into this, I haven't followed it at all because this is famously the only show I watch all year. But um, yeah. So Naito is still the champ. He's fighting. I want to say Kota Ibushi. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's okay. Kota Ibushi the main event of night one and then the main event of night two is the winner of that match versus jay white okay. so so they're doing that two whoever thing wins again, that match like last year ha- what they're doing that so they're doing the two night thing like last year i forgot that last mm-hmm. year was the first mm-hmm. year they were doing that yeah so whoever wins the title night one is going to have to turn around and defend it the next night night two i'm really impressed with how i, I need to I'm probably okay, so he's it. still both. He still has both titles, the Intercontinental yep. and yep. the Heavyweight. He's still the two yep. belts. And I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to spend a ton of time on this because we can probably do that a lot next week. But sure, I'm sure, planning sure. on getting. I'm planning on getting their service and checking out at least one or two key moments just to okay. see how we got to this point. Yeah, but yeah, I'm excited about it. Like I said, I only watch it once a year, but that's cool because then whenever you watch it, it's a big deal. It feels like the Super Bowl. So who's the, uh, I'm sorry, what was the, the second night match then? Um, it's, it, with the Because obviously Naito and, and Ibushi are wrestling for the titles. 
And then mm-hmm. who do they? Who does the winner wrestle the next night? Jay White. Jay. Oh, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. So gotcha, I don't gotcha. know how they got to that point, like who earned the title shot and which night, which way. Uh huh. That's kind of what I want to go back and figure out. But I'm excited to check it out either way. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that'll be fun. Ooh, oh, we got another match with Okada and Osprey. That should be fun. They always mm-hmm. put on good matches. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be fun. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I'd forgotten again. So, yeah, we're definitely going to have to watch that. So, yeah, we might be talking about that next week with our episode. But anyway, keep updated on our Twitter account at behind underscore gorilla. Also on Instagram at behind underscore gorilla. We follow back wrestling fans and wrestling podcasts. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Marky Mark Brand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. So go ahead and do that. Um, all right. That does it for our recap of 2020 wrestling episode. Thank you guys for uh, for listening again. And we'll talk to you next week. Yeah.